1: Santa's Log, May 8, 2014. I am increasingly worried about Wolfie the Elf. From the very outset, there have been questions about Wolfie's temperament. And now, during the long and less stimulating off-season, Wolfie is struggling to find the patience required for the work we do. Yesterday's outburst was quite alarming.
2: Stupid, tangled Christmas lights... They won't untangle. I I untangle one part, and then a big knot forms somewhere else. I hate this job. I I hate it. Somebody in this workshop, can you find me a gun that isn't a toy gun and shoot me? Can somebody just kill me now? What seems to be the
1: problem, Wolfie?
2: Oh, Santa, I didn't realize you were standing behind me. It's uh, it's just these lights. I, I can't untangle them.
1: The other elves don't seem to have a problem. Look at the rest of them. Look at Snowflake, and Tucker, and Fizbee, and Twinkle, and Peppermint, Stop! Stop, stop, stop,
2: stop, please. Just don't say all the names of the elves. I get it. I, I totally get it. The
1: best untangler is Perky McJingles. Come over here and give Wolfie some tips, Perky.
2: No, 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 don't bring him over here. Listening to him is like watching paint dry.
3: Untangling the lights is very similar to solving a Rubik's Cube, which coincidentally is my favorite toy. So let's call this Blue Strand X, and the Red Strand X1. In this configuration, we have a problem because we don't have one of the two configurations necessary to move to stage 2,
4: but if we do a 90 degree mono-twist...
2: Ah, oh, my ears are bleeding. This is so boring. I hate him, Santa. I hate my life, okay?
1: I could put you back on little tin horns and little toy drums.
2: Ugh, No, they're too little, and it's just horns and drums and horns and drums and horns and drums until the end of the uh, entire universe.
1: There's an opening over in gift wrapping.
2: Huh. Is there an opening in Drive Railroad Spikes Through My Head? Well, what do
1: you want to do?
2: I'm an experiencer. Santa, I run on adrenaline, so put me on naughty kids. Something where I can kick down the door and jack some snot nose punk up against the wall. Santa sent me nose-wipe. Now, we can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way.
1: Oh, dear. I'm afraid we don't roll like that.
2: See, that's the problem, right? When you're stuck in a job that doesn't fit your personality type. That's our show today. And now he got transferred out of the health clinic because he didn't like telling elves to turn their heads and cough. Colin McEnroe.
3: That was not the right job for me. The whole thing was just creeping me out, actually. So, all right, so that's what we're going to be talking about today is uh, personality types and the field that you're in. Uh, And we also, by the way, welcome your phone calls. You may have a lot of questions about this. It's not just is your personality type the right type for your job, but let's say just by happenstance you're in the wrong job for your personality type. How do you survive in that situation? And I hope we will have time also to get into sort of the, the... the larger workplace issues one of the things that we've discovered here actually thanks to one of our guests, uh, is that once you know more about the personality types of your coworkers, you can stop driving them crazy. Uh, and when I say you, I mean me. Um, all right. So uh, with us is Paul Teeger. He's the CEO of Speed Reading People and the co-author of five books on personality type. The most relevant one is the uh, newly reissued fifth edition, I believe, of Do What You Are, which is exactly what we're talking about today, uh, how your personality lines up with your job. Uh, and the apple did not fall from the personality type tree very far. Kelly Teeger uh, is Paul's daughter. She She's the co-author with Paul of the latest edition of Do What You Are. She's going to especially be helping helping us today with you millennials, you impossible millennials, <laughs> people who have never been inside a bank, for example, uh, and don't know what a phone book is. But that's not relevant to your personality. That's just you know the generation you were born into. Uh, as I say, as we go along here, it'll be great to hear from you, 860-275-7266, 860 275 7266. Um, even before we began here, Paul was trying to unravel the mystery that is Betsy Kaplan and her personality type. Uh, uh, but we won't talk about that. Or we might. Um, so, Paul, I'm going to get you to start off out here. here. Will we say personality type? Well, personality type is a conversational term for a lot of people. I, I'm this way. I'm that way. I'm the crabby type. I'm the... You know, I'm the elf that should work on on small toys. Um, but they're actually for you. This has a very specific set of meanings. Is there a way we can kind of sketch this out for the uninitiated?
5: Absolutely. It's it's really it's really based on the work originally of Carl Jung, right? Um, and then uh, a mother daughter team, Catherine Briggs and her daughter Isabel Isabel Myers Briggs, um, became the people who really took Jung's idea about personality types that were born with different characteristics. And they created this thing called the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, which everyone in the world has taken. It's used by 89 of the Fortune 100 companies. So most people have taken the Myers-Briggs or MBTI. So the model that we have based our books on is, is – I refer to it as the Young My, myers model. And basically it identifies four different aspects of personality that's true for everybody. You want me to describe those a little bit? Yeah, yeah, why not? Okay, so the first one has to do with where your energy comes from and goes to. And we call people who are more focused in the outer world, we call those extroverts. People that are more focused inside, we call introverts. Now, nobody is exclusively one or the other, but everybody's primarily one or the other. No, It's not better or worse, healthy, sick, smarter, dumber to be one or the other, just different. And as we unfold today, I think people will kind of recognize themselves and recognize other people in their lives. So people are more extroverts or introverts. The second thing has to do with the way people take in information. Some people use their five senses and they're very concrete and realistic and practical and down to earth and they see things for what they are. We call those sensing types. On the other hand, there are people who, who really like to read between the lines, see the big picture, don't necessarily pay attention to the details, but the, the implications, and we call those intuitive types. So there's sensing and intuitive. The third one has to do with we make des- how we make decisions, because we've got to decide we're going to go here, we're not going to go there, we like this, we don't like that. And there's two primary differently, primarily different ways. Thinking types make decisions more logically, analytically, objectively. They kind of step back from the decision and, and look at it that way. Whereas feeling types, and it doesn't just mean emotional, but feeling types really make decisions based on their own values. How do I feel about it? How important is it to me? How important is it to somebody else? So you got that dichotomy of thinking versus feeling. And the last one has to do with the way people kind of organize their lives. Some people like to live in a very planful, structured, uh, decisive way. They like to take in just enough information to make a decision. We call those judging types. And judging does not mean judgmental, right? Mm -hmm. Other people kind of like to live in a more open-ended, spontaneous way where they keep taking in information. They're not driven to closure the way that judging types are. And we call those people perceiving types. So because there are these four different scales and everyone has a natural preference, inborn preference for one side or the other, people can be extrovert, intuitive, thinking, judging introvert, sensing, feeling, perceiving or any one of the other 14 combinations.
3: And I think one of the things that, I mean, one of the terms that you use in your books, Paul, is blind spots. And blind spots means something specific to you. But to me, blind spots also means, I think a lot of us assume that the rest of the world is a lot more like us than the rest of the world really is. Um, and, and so one of the things that we learned even on this show from working with you about one another, the people working on this show, is it, you. T- I was tending to assume that everybody was kind of like me, which caused me to, you know, either hurt people's feelings or drive people crazy, or you know. And to me, I think that's sort of a common human condition, though. Everybody's probably kind of like me, right?
5: Uh, Everyone is kind of like you, and they think everybody's like them. Yeah, everybody yeah. thinks
3: that they are like <clears> them
5: <throat> because nobody's like you. Right. I will tell you, having known you for many years. <laughs> but the, the reality is that yes, we all are most comfortable with people like us, so we want people to be like us, and we actually surround ourselves with people like us, except for spouses. That's another show Mm -hmm. because opposites really do attract for some good reasons. But if you think about the friends that you've got and the people you choose to spend time with, they're almost always very similar because it's not work. If you said something to a person and they didn't get it, that wouldn't be fun. But if you said this to them and they said this to you and you said this to them, that's what what works. So...
4: It really takes more of a, um, you know, the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. It really takes kind of a subversion of that to treat others the way they want to be treated, which isn't necessarily how we think to do.
3: And, and Callie, you sort of grew up in the personality-type trap family, right? (laughs) I did. So so you're really (laughs) at the point in your life where you're starting to pick at least what's going to be your first career. Did, did you really use all this stuff? I mean, having sort of grown up listening to uh, Paul and, and and the rest of your family talk about personality types, did you have you used that, this in making the choices you're making?
4: Absolutely. I mean, it's really hard not to. I always say that, you know, when we were kids, we'd be in a restaurant and the waitress would come over to take our order and she'd walk away mm-hmm. and my dad would turn to us and say, okay, what's her type? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was really, it's it's it was in a total environment of, of this being a, a framework of seeing the world. It's not the only framework I used to see the world or understand the world, but... It's definitely a very helpful one. It's very helpful to me in figuring out, you know, relationships between people, especially, and things that you know would be better suited to my strengths and th- ways to avoid blind spots. So, in
3: terms sure. of your career choice, be a be a lab animal for us for just a second. <laughs> okay. I mean, tell us tell us what it is you're planning to do with your life and how that <laughs> sort of matches up or doesn't with your personality.
4: Well, it's funny. I I am a I'm a millennial, and part of the millennial. Um, condition is, is there isn't one thing that I'm going to do with my life. Mm. I'm not going to sit down tomorrow at a job that I'll be at until I retire at the age of 65, because I probably won't retire at the age of 65, because, you know, for many reasons, and, and I likely won't stay in one job forever. Um, so that that kind of fits in, you know, I I went to college, I graduated with a degree in the liberal arts, which is a very kind of modern millennial degree, since it's nothing and everything. Um, and I'm currently in graduate school now um, for education um, to be a museum educator um, or a or teacher. It's a dual certification process. So, and
3: How does that fit with your personality type, though? What's your temperament
4: or your personality type? So or- I'm an introvert, intuitive, feeling, judger, and my temperament is one of an idealist. Um, many, many teachers and educators are idealists. It's sort of the biggest draw for those types of people. Um, idealists are really involved in... Um, Relationships between people in kind of nurturing and um, helping growth in others, which is really what the field of education is all about. Um, and to, uh, idealists are also really about looking at the big picture and kind of being drawn to big ideas and, and the, you know, the marketplace of ideas and all of that kind of thing, which is really what drives me. I love to learn. I also love to teach. So it's really kind of staying in that world for me.
3: All right. Well, you are of the same personality type. One of the two possible personality types for producer Betsy Kaplan, who did go to <laughs> graduate graduate school in museum studies. So really? She, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but then she became a nurse. I, I risk my case. But then so she became <laughs> a nurse. So, um, all right, as we go along here, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. We have a call from Stephen Hartford. Before we get to you, Steve, but you're going to be perfect. You're very germane to what we want to do. But, Paul, maybe walk us through one more example. In other words, give us a temperament or a personality type uh, and and tell us how it matches up with certain kinds of jobs.
5: Okay, so people... Uh, gravitate to positions that make natural use of their personality types. That's that's the that's the contribution of "Do What You Are" when it first came out twenty two years ago. Mm-hmm. Before that, people thought, you know what? It's about values, interests, and skills. You match those to match those up with a person, you're going to get the right job. But the truth is, all three of those, they're important, but they're all fluid. When people are they're fluid, and they're fluid, especially when kids and people are seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old, when they make decisions that affect the the rest of their life. If you think back to what you knew about yourself at eighteen. Uh, well, I, I won't speak for you, but for me, I didn't. I didn't have a clue. Um, so that's happened for most people. But personality type is inborn. You're you're born with the type. It stays with you. So I'll get back to your question. So in other words, sensing types, concrete, detail, realistic, down to earth people. I'll, if I showed you a type table. Of a thousand accountants, mm. you'd see maybe eight hundred or nine hundred that were sensing types. Mm. That's not an accident. That's that's because they like to deal with details, specific facts, uh, decimal points has to be here. or Somebody's going to jail. It's a very that's the kind of what it's what it's about.
3: And we don't have one sensing type anywhere at public radio. And of we're course sure. not Of yeah. course you
5: don't. Um, <laughs> now, on the other hand, um, intuitives are only about twenty five percent of the population. Mm. But if I showed you a type table of psychologists, mm. for example right you might find 85 or 90 percent of psychologists self-select intuitive self-select psychology because it's all about possibilities there's nothing concrete there's nothing real it's all theoretical it's how your mother screwed you up or your father screwed you up it's all connecting those kinds of dots
3: all right let's grab this call from Steve uh, and and Paul and Kelly uh, can be consultants for Steve right now who I think runs his own business is that correct Steve and he's not there. <laughs> what kind of personality type uh, hangs up the phone before you can talk it's to definitely them? definitely introverted. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, Steve, call us back. We do want to talk to you, 860-275-7266. Uh, anybody else who wants to, 860-275-7266. So are there certain personality types for which, for whom, there aren't that many good professions? Are there certain personality types that are, are harder, to, harder for them to locate something that really kind of fits the way they are?
5: I don't really think so. I mm. think that um, I think that there really is something for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. because personality types involve, as I as I explained a little while before, um, a little earlier. There's there's a lot of components. There's extrovert, introvert, sensing, intuition, thinking, feeling, judging. Mm. Perceiving. So there's a lot of stuff. Now there aren't a lot of jobs that are where where a person gets everything they want in a job. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea of personality type and do what you are is finding jobs and careers that really take make use of your best stuff. And we call your best stuff is there are certain parts of each person's personality type that is called the dominant thing. For me, for my type, it's my intuition. So I need to feed my intuition. Um, when you're using your best stuff, you get energized. Mm-hmm. When you're forced to do stuff, my opposite, the worst stuff for me is detailed stuff. Mm-hmm. So if I've got to do taxes or if I've got to register for this or I've got to spend time um, with a lot of detail, it, the, you can just see the energy drain my anatomy. That's all personality type related.
3: Um, Chris Rock uh, has a way of conceptualizing all that's actually sort of a loaded term when you start to follow Kelly, but uh, of uh, at least making this distinction. So uh, let's let's hear Chris Rock.
5: I've been blessed with a career, so if you got a career, thank God. If you got a job, I hope you get a career one day. That's right, because when you got a career, there ain't enough time in the day. There ain't enough time. When you got a career, you look at your watch. Time just flies like whoa. It's five thirty-five damn, I got to come in early tomorrow and work on my project because there ain't enough time when you got a career. When you got a job, there's too much time. That's why you look at your watch like, ah,
0: 9:08. You don't even trust the time when you got a job You be like, what time you, got? what time you got?
5: What time you got? What time you got? What time you got? What time you got? 9:15. Whoever got the latest time is the right time. You got the right time.
3: All right. So, um, so Kelly, that's the distinction we're talking about, right? If you right. find the right fit, if you're in your the, the job for your personality type, you right. have a career. If not, it's just like that, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a it's a very salient um, little clip there.
3: And, and so, I mean, one uh, opportunity that we're offering people, right, uh, Paul, is that people can take a personality test online.
5: They can take it right now. It'll take them literally about less than five minutes. And if they want to do it, it'll tell them their type. It'll tell them... Also, like five career satisfiers, what they need in a career, and then if they want to call up and say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about this career or that career, and if you'd like some advice from Kelly and I, I would be happy to do that. Um, So can I tell them the website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's personalitytype.com slash do what you are. So I'll say it again. It's personalitytype.com slash do what you are, and it literally takes you five minutes.
3: All right, so do that, uh, and we'll have, we, if you do it right now, we'll have enough time uh, to try to get you on the air, although we now have uh, sort of a full board of calls here. Uh, this does not surprise me, so let's try taking a call this time and see how it goes. Here's Pat in Franklin. Hi, Pat.
0: Hello, Colin and folks. Forgive me, I'm on a cell phone, but um, I'm a small business owner, and I just want to kind of go over some uh, experiences I've got with uh, different personality types. And I've read a book years ago, and, and the title eludes me, uh, forgive me, but... Um, I've learned different personality types and how to interact with them. Um, I do construction work, and certain customers are really particular and really cautious and considerate of what their project wants to come out with. So, therefore, I spend more time with that customer going over details and concerns. But other customers fly by the seat of their pants, and they can could, they could care less about details, and they just won't want to talk about more about colors and what it's going to look like. And therefore, I speak to things, you know, more short sentences, more things as far as, uh, you know, how, how fast we can get the job done. And in the end, I found both customers appreciate me for, you know, kind of feeding into their thoughts,
6: but even though they're completely different.
5: All right, Paul's got yeah, something on that. you know what? Yeah. I bet the book you read, I'm not, I'm not psychic here, but it could have been The Art of Speed Reading People. Um, uh,
6: I say I think so. I had like
0: four
5: quadrants of yep, different personality types. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, that's I think, Paul's book. I think that was Speed Reading People, which was our third book. And you're oh. ex- you're, you're exactly right, Pat. Because w- going back to what we we're talking about before, we all want people to be like us, and we all communicate best with people like us. So you know, you are you you have learned that you have to adjust, you have to flex your style. It's not about what you want; it's about what they want. And I think that that's the key to success in business: is to get outside your own head and be able to plug into what other people are about.
3: But, ideally, well, if you're in that kind of job where you're interacting with people a lot and with new people all the time.
5: You know, real quick anecdote, we just did a kitchen over, and we are the people that wanted. I mean, we, we were terrible uh, as customers, I think, to, to our contractors because we really did want what we wanted. Um, and one, some of those contractors were really good at saying, whatever, you're the customer. Other ones had a tough time, and that's all personality type related as well.
3: Um, let's grab one more call here. And thanks, uh, Pat. We could, I know you could probably talk more to us, and we'd love to talk to you. But we do have kind of a full board of calls. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, just uh, try to get to another one before we go to our first break. Here's Joe in Hartford. Hi, Joe.
0: Hi, Colin and team. Um, love the show and appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I'm a INTJ. I've, I've done the Myers-Briggs a few times, and I, I love the science of personality types. Um, sort of a mid-level manager in a— insurance company. Surprise, surprise, in Hartford. But I'm thinking about the career and the job thing that Chris Rock was talking about. And I feel like I've gone through ebbs and flows of that, uh, where I felt like I was in a career and then it became a job. And I don't know if it's the work I'm doing or you know, sort of am I in the wrong genre or do I need to change the genre of what I'm
3: doing? Love to hear your thoughts on that. All right. Well, he already knows his type. So,
5: okay. so w- what I would say first is what do you like best about what you do, Joe? Because the stuff in your job that you like best is using your type preferences. The stuff you like least is not, and that's where the satisfaction and the dissatisfaction comes from. So whether you're in the right field, I don't really know yet. And without talking talking to you, but most jobs or a lot of jobs can be massaged. So if you know what you what you're good at, um, it's a win-win. If you if you have the kind of boss or kind of environment, where you say, you know what. I love being here at the Hartford or wherever it is you work, uh, but this is what I'm really good at, and I'm not really using those talents now. If if I could go laterally, or if I could go someplace where I could use those things, you, the Hartford, would do a lot better with me, and I would be a happier camper. So that that's sort of my general advice.
3: Uh, INTJ, by the way, his uh, that's the that's the Patrick Scahill type, uh, and I, I might tell that story of. Uh, what Paul taught us about this. But let's go with, um, this is a good one for Kelly, I think. This is uh, Keith from Enfield. I think he's calling up about his high school age daughter. Hi, Keith.
6: Hey there. Um, my daughter is uh, now sort of well, going to be in the college search and determine what major she's going to go into, and a lot of that's going to determine you know, kind of the course of her life. Do these types of tests work effectively with somebody who's uh, younger, you know, 16, 17, that type of thing?
3: Kelly, what about that?
4: Absolutely. Um, you can send her to the, the website and she can take the test herself. I mean, there, these the type, type works with kids of all age, in fact, actually children. There's another book that my parents wrote called Nurture by Nature, which is a parenting book about how to deal, how to understand your child through the lens of type from, you know, infancy or really from the time they talk until adolescence and beyond so this can but adolescents especially it's a really helpful tool for them to understand themselves because adolescents are really in the business of trying to understand themselves and this is a really helpful lens um, for her to look at and think well how does this align with my interests and who am I really and what would be best suited for me in a, in a college and in a career beyond Right. Uh, okay.
3: That's, Thanks. That's good advice. All right. right. We're, we're, a couple of things before we go to break. First of all, I want to go out the number again because people do seem to want to call in. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Uh, you can also take the test uh, that they're talking about. I think it's up on our, our website, too, wnpr.org. There's a link to it. But uh, you can also go to Paul's site, which is personalitytype.com. Slash. Slash.
5: Do what you are.
3: Do what you are. Um, and... Oh, I just want to just tell a quick story about this, because this may also trigger some some uh, calls and some reflections. So when we had been doing the show for about a year, we had kind of a retreat, uh, and this is uh, before Betsy had joined us, and Patrick Scahill was uh, essentially in the job that she's in right now. And Patrick is exactly the uh, same type as the caller that, that that we just had. Although I didn't know that, um, and this is why I actually do think this stuff is can be incredibly useful. I didn't know that about Patrick. In fact, I thought Patrick was basically a younger version. Of me. I thought he was exactly like me. I'm an INTP. He's an INTJ. So one letter difference. But I was not aware of that. Now, the way that I would express this is that the difference in our letters is that Patrick is the kind of person who likes to have three parachutes and he will check them several times and fold them and refold them and put them back in the parachute bag just to make sure absolutely there's no question that the parachute is going to deploy. And even if it doesn't, there's two more. I'm the kind of person who likes to jump out of an airplane and then say, do I have a parachute? Um, And so I was driving Patrick out of his mind uh, because we were really different that way. And I really wasn't interested in having every single little thing resolved by the time I went on the air. In fact, I don't really like that very much. Um, and but, I mean really the, that that exchange Paul helped us a lot and,
5: and that 's just one aspect of your personality, and you 're similar on three aspects which mm-hmm. are important, but you 're different on the judging and perceiving, and Patrick is a judging type again mm-hmm. doesn 't mean judgmental, so judging types like things decided, they like to have a plan, they do mm-hmm. not like the plans to deviate they don 't like things changed. Um, Um, Kelly and I are she's a judging type and I'm a perceiving type and we have the same struggles that you and Patrick have and that all people or most people that are judging and perceiving that work or live or you know uh, interact with each other have it's it's not better or worse it's just real different and I, I think to your point Colin once you understood that, hopefully you were able to drive him a little less crazy. Still no, actually,
3: here. he had a nervous breakdown. He, he's no longer but with us. But, uh, no, no, I know
5: he's still here, so <laughs> the magic worked.
3: All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll tell more, more stories about this uh, when we come back. The number, 860-275-7266. We've got a bunch of calls coming in right now.
6: I know you've got to get out of your house. People can't stand being in their house. So you're invited someplace and, and you go and as soon as you walk in the door, oh my God, it's death, it's death. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, I'm talking to this person. How am I gonna get out of this conversation? What am I going to say to get away? And, and your, your mind is racing as if as, as if you're gonna to go to jail if you don't come up with something, you know. And, and you, you, you grasp at straws. Oh! got to get a drink you know uh, i got i got to go to the bathroom yeah uh, and you look at friends uh, help you know it's it's a nightmare it truly is i can i cannot i cannot do it it's it's so exhausting
3: Okay, those of us who are introverts completely identify with that. That exact thing happens to me. I think I want to go someplace where there's lots of people, and then I go there, and I'm completely miserable. Why did I leave my house? Uh, It's just awful. I feel that. (laughs) You have the same experience? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because he's right. That's the the message we get all the time. We're talking about personality types and your job, uh, and, and how you interact with people around you in your job, and how you choose your job, and how you survive sometimes in a job. That, uh, that doesn't necessarily fit your personality. Let's grab a call or two more. Paul Teeger and Kelly Teeger are here with us. Uh, they are the uh, writers of the fifth edition of the book, Do What You Are. Um, Shane, hi, you're on the air.
6: Hi, my name is Shane, as you mentioned, and I'm an INTJ. And my comment was that I find it kind of interesting when reflecting upon myself because I think that naturally I'm an F for that letter, but I operate as a T. So I have a preference for something that's counters what I am by nature.
3: Well, I think that Paul and Kelly would probably parse that a little bit differently. Um, Paul, one one way that I think about this sometimes is we we there's a way that we think that we are, mm-hmm. and it isn't always necessarily mm-hmm. the way that we really are. Right.
5: Well, you know what? Type is really a combination of na- of nature and nurture. I mean, people. I, I should let me let me say that differently. People's behavior is a combination of nurture and nature. The type part is the nature part. This is what you're born with. This is what you come out with. So, so Shane, I don't think you, um, you know, you are a T or think you're an a feeler or um, you, though people are not sure at different times for good reasons because the nurturing part is the overlay. So, for example, to a feeling type who was raised by two strong thinking types could learn to learn to be what it's like what to, to be more of a thinking type doesn't make them doesn't make them a thinking type, but that's how they behave. Um, so that's an overlay that's that's important. I think the difference, if you really wanted to figure it out, is um, there are intuitive thinking types and there are intuitive feeling types. And those are, I don't want to get too complicated, but they're temperament, and they're temperament differences. So you can find out if you really are a thinker or a feeler by either Do What You Are or some, some other book that, that shows you what your temperament is, and they, they're very, very different.
3: I, I do think that if you are a thinker dealing with a feeler, you really have to take that into account. And that is something, just to give another example from the show, it's the big difference between me and Kion Wolf. Uh, I'm to, I operate almost <laughs> exclusively in the realm of thought to you know, to the exclusion of almost everything else. Um, she really is very, very much in touch of her, of, with her emotions and experience the, experiences the world emotionally, experiences everything emotionally. Once again, until we did the retreat with Paul, I didn't, hadn't really processed that because, of course, I wasn't really paying any attention because I was living in my head. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so anyway, as a result, it does help me understand that I have to take care of a certain side of this person that I wouldn't have to I wouldn't expect to be taking care of you, myself.
5: You know, we were thinking about some some different <clears throat> people that other people would know that are um, uh, different type mm. preferences. For example, thinkers. Right. If people watch Joe Scarborough show Morning Joe, Joe is a big thinker. Mika is a big feeler. And all this, you see this stuff happen with them all the time you know she's rolling her eyes at him, and he's shutting her down and i mean it's it's classic it's played out every single morning. Uh, if you look at kind of um, um introversion and extroversion, you get Bill Clinton who's a big extrovert mm. Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton who's a big introvert you know people that everyone knows and can see those kind of things played out.
3: Kelsey, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your generation um, uh, and I think there are a couple of interesting areas to get into. One of them is, you know, your dad and I are from a generation where, if we got into the right job, most of the time we kind of stumbled into the right job. Uh, there you know, it's not as though Myers-Briggs and Jung and things like that weren't available to us, but uh, I'm not sure we were as good or at least as tuned to all this. Are, are millennials kind of aware of the conversation that we're having right now and maybe a little bit more likely to to, to, to try to kind of turn the dials a little bit and, and make sure they, they wind up in the right place for their personalities?
4: I think millennials have been raised to, for better or for worse, to be very um, focused on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can be, you know, sometimes portrayed as a negative thing and sort of a narcissism thing but it can also be a good thing because it it can mean that there's more introspection there and that this generation is is really focused on on kind of looking inward and kind of analyzing and self-analyzing trying to get to know themselves um so i i whether it's in the form of you know personality type and i think a lot of millennials are pretty familiar with it in some variation or another or just in in its sort of more frivolous iteration as you know BuzzFeed quizzes at at Infinitum, you know, and tons and tons of different quizzes trying to figure out who they are. But on its more serious side, I think that as a rule, we are generally more introspective as a generation. We are kind of trying to figure out what kind of job will make us happy rather than just what kind of job we're going to land in. Um, And I do think that's a positive thing. It's been kind of, you know, skewered on both sides, but I do think it is a positive thing ultimately to end up in a job – that is, you know, more of a career that you spend time in. You spend, you know, a third or more of your life at work.
3: I, I, the, of course, the paradox and the irony here are, is that you are facing this incredibly punishing job market <laughs> where your choices are ex- extremely limited at times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so tailoring everything just to meet those, those specs can be even more of a challenge for you than, yes. than people who have come before you. Yes. Um, our number, by the way, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. Let's grab a call from Chris on his cell. By the way, you can tweet us at WNPR, Colin. People are tweeting right at our Tweetmaster, Greg Hill, right now. Uh, here's Chris uh, on a cell phone. Hi, Chris. Hey,
6: how you doing, Colin? Just Love fun. you and Kyle on the show. Um, I live in New York, but I'm in Connecticut most days, and almost every day I get to catch your show. when <laughs> my timing, my schedule works.
3: Well, that how makes I- us happy.
6: Yep, great show. I love it to death. So anyway, I thought I'd I'd add this. I don't know, you know, it's a little different than your other calls. I'm an extrovert times 10. Um, My ultimate passion in life is music. And for 18, 19 years, I have been nothing but a full-time self-employed musician. And that works out really nicely because besides it being my passion, I hate authority, I'm a complete rebel, and I'm unemployable. I couldn't possibly work for somebody and, and, and take orders. So being a musician, you know, doing my own thing, You know, it's just the perfect thing.
3: Well, first of all, we knew that you were an extrovert before you said that. <laughs> um, that wasn't a real tricky one for for any of us. But, Paul, he raises kind of an interesting question, which is, I mean, and, and it goes back to what Kelly and I were talking about, too, which is people don't always have the kinds of choices that Chris is talking about right now. He's, it, things have worked out well for him. His personality wouldn't fit a lot of kinds of situations. It does fit the situation that he's in. Not everybody can do that. And, and, and then it raises the question, is it better to starve or, or be— in a lower paying, less rewarding kind of environment that doesn't fit your personality or should you just try to hammer your square peg into a round hole and make the best of it?
5: Uh, you know what, that's way beyond my pay grade. Mm-hmm. It re- it really, I'm not trying yeah. to pun on that. The reality is that's, that's an individual choice. But I think that the, the the advantage about knowing personality type is you know what you need to do. You know, there's a really good, there's a really very simple good question, one question quiz to find out if the person's in, in the right place. Mm-hmm. I say, you like your job? They go, yeah. I said, then you got the right job. Mm-hmm. Then it's a right fit for you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but that's true. And, but then if you probe a little deeper and say, why is it? It will always be because it makes use of who they are as a person, and it doesn't force them to do too much stuff that goes against their grain, which is a, is a prescription for burnout. So I think that, you know, I think that Chris is lucky, but um, there are a lot of people who are able to create situations for themselves, but you've got to know what kind of situ- situation you want to create.
3: Okay, our number, 860-275-7266. Let's grab uh, another call here, and I think we have another uh, millennial calling, and it looks like here's Tamara in New Britain. Hi, Tamara.
0: Hi. Um, I'm calling because I currently have a job, but I'm graduating this year with a bachelor's in psychology, and I, I want to further education, but I'm not sure which direction I want to go. And my personality type is ISFP, and I wanted some, like, advice.
3: Okay, so you are uh, introverted, you are sensing, you are feeling, and you are perceiving. That's what you just told us, right? Yes. All right, uh, I'll throw it over to the experts.
4: So uh, people who are um, ISFPs like you, and and you're interested in psychology, right? I assume, or I'm going to guess that you're interested in psychology because you want to help people, that you're sort of drawn to, you know, kind of helping others, and and that you want to do something that, you know, a lot of feeling types want to do jobs where they feel like they can make meaningful connections. Um, Yeah. To other people and that they can help and, and they can be of service um, so I would wonder what what do you like best about psychology
0: helping people find direction kind of because I'm a little bit lost like mm-hmm. since I've been in school and just helping people find their way is kind of what I like about it so
4: some something that might be um, a good thing for people who are sensing types as well is trying to help people in really concrete ways um, you know you I think it would be satisfying to you or people of this type if with the way that they can help people they see a result you know they see that this is actually making a difference in their life so something in the realm of counseling or something in the realm of social work a lot of people of this type you know introverts typically like to work one-on-one with other people or with smaller groups of people um, and it can be very satisfying for someone who's an introvert and also feeling type to make those meaningful one-on-one connections in something like counseling or social work where you really you, you can see the difference you can see the difference that you're making and you're really touching lives.
3: Yeah, you're probably not going to want to be a psychoanalyst, you know, where <laughs> exactly. you like talk to somebody for six years and then finally tell them something. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, all right. Would be, that would be what
5: you would want yeah. to
3: do. Well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Although, to me, actually, I, I, I'm an INTP, and uh, Christopher tweets, I'm an INTP, which unfortunately means I won't get around to calling until after 2 p.m. <laughs> um, and I understand that. You get distracted by other things. There are so many interesting things. Uh, you know, why can, how can you call? And then you'd have to talk to somebody anyway. That would be horrible. Um, I actually think, you might, you might disagree with me. To me, and, and this may be um, a function of my four-letter or my two-letter type that more than it is, but to me, the most, I think the most dividing access uh, access, rather is that the the one that that she, that Kelly was just talking about a little bit with her that sensing versus intuitive accent, uh, access as an intuitive I have a lot of trouble relating to and understanding sensors um, like you know with a feeling type like well okay I figure it out you got feelings okay I'll pay attention to them <laughs> you know I mean most of these things I sort of get you know but it's hard for me to um, relate to people who are sensors
5: I get it. Um yeah and and the reality is that of all four dimensions that is the most complex and i think it's the most important I think it is the greatest differentiator people between people because it's the way you see the world. Mm-hmm. It's not how you deal with people. It's how you actually look at the world. What information comes in? What information you allow in? Somebody looks at an apple and says, this thing, you know, it, it weighs about uh, two ounces. It's red. It's got some green spots. It's got a little green stem. It's got... And they, that's what they see. They see the specifics. When you look at it, you might think of the Big Apple. You might think of Apple Computing. You might think of something else. Garden of so Eden. The Garden of Eden. Uh, you could probably do 20 minutes on this. right? <laughs> but send Sensing types and intuitives are very, very different people. They're just, I, I, so I, I feel your pain about that. Um, and um, But fortunately, um, we need each other. In other mm-hmm. words, sensing types need intuitives to give them new ideas and see new ways of looking at things and see possibilities. But intuitives need sensing types to ground them, to say, you know what, I'm thinking about this, but is this really realistic? I mean, I'm a big intuitive type, and my greatest blind spot is that I see the possible and not the, the doable often. So I create lots and lots of great stuff. Sometimes it's not always doable because I don't have that sensing gene developed nearly as well as somebody else does.
3: All right, we take a quick break here. We've got Paul and Kelly Tiger here with us. We have got a lot of calls coming in. We also want to, if we have time, talk a little bit about uh, talking about my generation. A lot of us are doing second and third careers right now. This is uh, maybe your chance to steer the ship in a new direction.
6: Over. I'll-
2: Actually, the real tragedy is that Rob Ford has the perfect personality type to be a mayor and the perfect body chemistry to abuse every substance in the periodic table of elements. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me. Our intern is Anna Novak. Greg Hill and Alan Yu appeared in the introduction, and Greg tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by Will Farrell. For show pages, articles, and a list of the astrological sun signs of the Faith Middleton show staff, check out our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, The Nodes has a reunion with Monica Lewinsky. And now, back to calling.
3: That's right. She's back in the news. She'll be one of the things we discuss uh, on the news tomorrow. Now I'm thinking about the personality types of all of our news panelists, uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Paul, I do want to uh, take a moment. Paul Tigger, Kelly Tigger, by the way, authors of the fifth edition of Do What You Are. What was that note that you were just showing to
5: me? Uh, just about boomers. Oh, yeah. That's what I was, That's where what I was going well.
3: anyway. Yeah. So, baby boomers. Uh, we've had one career. Some have had two careers. But, you know, you get in your 50s and 60s and you think, what's my last job going to be? What's the last job I do? going to be. And, and so how is that any different from the calculations that, that, that Kelly would be putting into that kind of decision in her 20s?
5: Okay. So great question. Let me just throw a few stats at you. There's about 76 million boomers, about 44% of the population. 10,000 boomers turn 65 every day. This is mind-blowing. 70% continue to work after, they re, after retirement age. So 70 almost, you know, most of us are not going to retire. Most people have like, you know, the stats are ridiculous, like 60 percent have less than one hundred thousand dollars in retirement savings. So we are not going to be retiring. This is not going to be Florida with the white belt and the pants and the the, uh, you know early bird special at three o'clock. So we're going to be working. So the point is that we should be doing something that we like to do because we got 20, 30 years, maybe some of us to do that. Um, Type can be helpful, and and what we did with Do What You Are this edition is Kelly focused on millennials, which we've been talking about, and I focused on boomers. So I interviewed a bunch of people who had first careers and then talked about what they did after that, what their transition careers were. And predictably, there were some great, great stories, um, and it was the the greatest stories were the people who got to continue to use what they're about or in some cases – got to use it for the first time. You mm-hmm. know, you pointed out people get stuck in careers and they get mortgages, they get kids, they get families, and you know, then they get kids put through college, they got car payments, and before you know it, your life is over. Um... A recent poll was done, I think, by Parade Magazine, because not that they're the scientific. Uh, uh, journal. They're not considered
3: a peer-reviewed journal, no, but no. no, they're not.
5: <laughs> but they got a lot of people that fill out there. Sixty percent said they would choose a different career if they could start all over. It's a big number. It's not ten percent. It's not twenty percent. Mm. That's a lot of a lot of a, a lot of people. So my message is that you really can find something, either that builds on who you are, or for the first time makes you, you who, use of who you are. We had a guy, for example, who was running a company. Um, he was a an ISTJ. Mm-hmm. He was running a family company. That was his obligation. He did it well. But when he when he when he stopped doing that, he became a history teacher. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved history. It makes sense. Loved working with kids. Doing duty. Working in a in a structured environment like schools are. Uh, another person who was a. Um, who was a college professor, a guy actually who, you know, who know but I won't out him on the air, who was a, an INFP and is a college professor for years. But now he became a, um, a spiritual coach. And he, he, it's, it's who he is. He's, he's alive doing it. So I think that there, it's a hopeful message because at this time, uh, you know, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. That's, that's my message.
3: Um, let's grab a call from, oh, no, actually, I've been told Ella. All right. Here's uh, Ella. Hi, Ella. You're on the air.
7: Hi, uh, Colin. Thanks for taking my call. I'm 25 years old. Um, I graduated from Berklee College of Music in 2011. And right after that, I was uh, managing bands for a while. I started my own management company with this wealthy guy I met waiting tables in Boston. And I did that for a few years. And after it ended, I was pretty lost about what I was going to be doing in terms of, should I go back to New York and keep working at labels? That was too expensive to live there. I didn't have money. So I kind of went through this uh, phase where I was sort of like, you know, I have this music business degree and I'm a musician and I just don't know, you know, now what I want to do because I'm sort of faced with limited options. You know, you start working in the music business uh, from a starter position, you're basically making like a Taco Bell salary. So I just needed to reevaluate based on my needs, which is, you know, financial stuff to pay for loans from school and, I had been nannying for uh, kids with autism on the side for extra money, and all of those mothers um, that I worked for sort of helped me, uh, guide me to being a speech pathologist, which is what I'm going to school for. There's lots of applicable things that you can do for therapies with these kids that relate to music. So I just wanted to offer some advice, I guess, to kids my age who might be graduating with degrees that don't necessarily um, fit what they might be needing for their lives in terms of... Uh, maybe money, maybe it's not what they thought it was going to be. I've found a lot of hope in, like, this new career um, because it does relate to my personality, like you guys are talking about. You know, I feel like being a musician, I'm able to um, understand people's emotions pretty well. I feel like I'm good at interpreting other people, and I've gotten a lot of feedback about that from taking care of children with special needs. So um, not saying everyone should be a speech pathologist, but basically saying, you know, like, um, I think there are uh, paths for people who are sort of lost after
3: college. Well, and, you know, Ella, it kind of goes to, I mean, I'm guessing, uh, I don't know, Paul probably has already uh, uh, done a speed read on you, but I'm guessing she might be an S once again because of the whole idea of um, of the, what Kelly was talking about before, seeing results. I mean, in speech pathology, right. that you you probably like that. You probably like to see the result of what I, you were.
7: I love it. I mean, it's been really nice to, uh, um, I basically have kind of thought of these uh, inventive ideas to make a language with music for my
0: nonverbal
7: Well, oh, actually, that
3: sounds yeah. kind of intuitive. Actually, let me turn it over to the guests here, Ella, to see if they have any uh, reactions right here. Yeah,
5: you know, there's a whole, I'm sorry, there's a whole subfield of music therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've explored that or not, and I'm certainly not an expert at it, but we actually did a show about it recently, of yep. did a show at Watkinson, and there are people who, who really use music to do amazing things with people. Um, in a therapeutic context, so a speech pathologist is certainly one, um, you know, really good option for you. But I would, I would encourage you to to look at that maybe as a subspecialty or, or a different area.
3: Let me grab one more call here. We're running out of time, alas. I knew this would happen though. Here's Jeff in Southington. Hi, Jeff.
6: Hi, Colin. How are you? Good. Yeah am um, an ENFJ, and I wanted to talk about. I guess my my job, and actually, my wife is an ENFJ too. We're both people managers. I'm in IT and she is in HR. Um, both of us have, I guess, some level of emotional intelligence, able to read people, and both really enjoy the people side of management and working with people, developing people, etc. cetera, um, and have bonded a lot. And, I, and I'm thinking, like, ENFJ is a perfect place for that. The other side of the coin is making decisions in a business context. I, I always feel like that. That that code basically makes it tougher to come to a resolution because I see into it, I jump on it right away, and I don't take the time to do the analysis of
5: it that maybe I should.
3: Well, before Paul Um, speaks, let me just say you're an ENFJ, you're a manager. As an INTP, I would just like to say please leave me alone. Stay in your office.
5: (laughs) I want to know if you and your wife ever fight. Never. (laughs) Exactly. Because you're both. We got
6: into each other's hearts immediately. It's been incredible. She's my best friend, my partner, my confidant, everything. How long have you been married? Uh, seven years
5: now. I'll give it another two weeks. Um. No, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. But you know, Paul, we only
3: have a couple minutes left. But you know, this—the thing that he's bringing up—is—is is, I think a big part of this. He's a manager of people, yes. so there's on the one hand his personality type, and whether that, whether the job he has makes it him happy. Clearly, it does. Yeah. But when you're a manager, you're constantly interfacing with all these other people and their personality. And let
5: me say this. Um, There's a reason why most managers, the vast majority of managers, are thinking types, not feeling types. And it's not because feeling types are not as good. But it's because feeling types, because managers have to make tough decisions. They yeah. got to discipline people. They got to fire them. They've got to call them on the carpet. Uh, they get to know them personally. They know who's, you know, what the kid's bar mitzvah is coming up, and who's getting a gallbladder operation, and what their family, op- what their family situation is. And and they 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 bond and make a, a a strong personal relationship, which is what they want to do. And then it's really tough when it comes time to make the tough decisions. Um,
3: Let me just say one thing before we run out of time. If you didn't get on the air today or I didn't read your tweet or you didn't get an interact at all, I've got great news for you. Paul Teeger and Kelly Teeger will discuss and sign copies of the latest edition of their book, Do What You Are. Discover the perfect career for you for the secrets of personality type, uh, and that is tonight. Uh, Thursday night, May 8th, 7 p.m. at the Barnes & Noble in Blueback Square in West Hartford. Uh, so uh, you can get off your chest what you need to get off your chest. You only have 60 seconds left. Although I just want to follow what you're saying is, you know, he's he's a feeling type. Right. He's a manager. But I noticed what he said is he could read other people. He right. could, which which is why I would be a bad manager as a thinking type, because. For the most part, I don't have any idea. Well, you don't want to be a manager because you're not
5: right. So, so you're not wired to do it, and you're doing the right thing.
3: Yeah, but I think for some people, anyway, the feeling thing can be an advantage advantage as a manager because they they're capable of empathy. Exactly,
5: and you know what? The the, the real trick in this whole stuff is balance. There's Mm -hmm. nobody who's exclusively a feeling type. You know, he's a feeling type. He's a dominant feeling type, so he's got a lot of access to that. But anybody who's competent is somebody who's developed access to their other side. And, and that's really the one of the gifts of personality type. If you know what your strengths are, then you also know what your blind spots are, and that helps you develop those sides.
3: All right. Well, this has been great fun. It always is. And I'm sorry to those people that I didn't get to, Priya, Emily, uh, Tom. Uh, but as I say, you can go to Blueback Square tonight uh, to Barnes & Noble, and there will be Paul and Kelly, and they'll talk to you some more about yourself. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow with the nose, and we'll be debuting a brand new uh, very young, millennial, in fact, knows panelists, whom you will meet tomorrow.
2: So loud and
0: clearly, this is
2: the I'm Kion Wolf, and I finally figured out the perfect job for my personality type giving Santa Claus foot massages. <laughs>